I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores, and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie on the Hockey Podcast Network. But before we start the show, mybookie.ag, you should go there right now, and you can place your bets on the NHL, on the NBA, all that good stuff. March Madness is coming up here in a few weeks. And you can also bet on the XFL, which I spent way too much time watching over the weekend, and damn it, was it a waste of my time. But you can go onto mybookie.ag and you can bet on those games. And, Corey, they can, people in the Sporting Nation can enter our special code to get some extra money to bet on. Yes, you can enter the code THPN. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to one grand. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code THPN to activate the offer. Once again, for the people in the back, that promo code is THPN to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Welcome back in Sporting Nation. It is a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Not as tired as the previous Monday, hopefully, because uh, you weren't partying all Sunday night from the Super Bowl. I mean, you may have had an Oscars party that I don't know. I don't judge. But um, I know someone who was not partying today because he had to be doing driving school. My wonderful co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing, Richie? Hello, Corey. I'm currently watching the Oscars because that's happening right now as we are recording. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is speaking right now for winning Best Actor from Joker. Uh, so, yeah. I I actually saw, because I wanted to ask you about this, but you haven't really seen, I think you've only seen, what, one or two of the Best Picture nominees this year? Um, probably. I don't even know exactly. I was watching the Oscars. Um, I don't know what the Best Picture nominees are, though. Okay, let me look him up real quick, and I will run through. You've seen Joker, though, right? So you've seen... No, I have not seen Joker. You haven't? Not yet? I refuse. Oh, that's... Um, yeah. yeah. I don't do well with Joker in general. Um, I, I've heard it's very good, and I've heard that it does a very good representation of... Um, like just mental diseases and mental health and all that and so from that aspect i am very um intrigued to watch it but um it freaks me out like a little too much i the joker was never one of my things that um joker creepy clowns any of those type of things i'm just like mm, it's okay i don't need to like it mm, don't need to i've heard it is a brilliant movie though and um, that Joaquin Phoenix does an amazing job in it. And, um, I mean, he's a very method actor, so I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I just I can't get myself to watch it just yet. But um, I have a, a feeling that I'm going to be convinced to watch it by other people because there's so many people trying to get me to watch it. I think you made the right choice of not watching because I didn't think it was a great movie. It was... I, I didn't like it at all. Only thing worth watching about it is Joaquin Phoenix's performance. He was really good. But other than that, it's kind of 
it's tough it's a tough movie to watch because it's so it makes you so uncomfortable for the entire movie because there's no protagonists so it's just like watching this guy slowly turn evil for two hours and then killing a bunch of people at the end it's like oh that was the whole movie i don't like that (laughs) yeah that's what that does not sound appealing to me whatsoever so here are the so the nominees this year because i'm curious uh how many you've seen and it's okay if you haven't seen any because most people are that way like these movies are very niche so unless you're weird like me and like to go every year and watch most of the best best picture nominees um then uh i understand so 1917 have you seen that one yes i have great movie one of my favorites of the year the war movie i quite enjoyed it yes uh ford versus ferrari no, but I am going to. It's just not out for rent yet. I tried to watch it last night and um, wasn't able to rent it. But I will. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I come from a very highly motorsports background family. So um, my dad watched it, loved it. So I am definitely going to, just haven't yet. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We were just talking about that before the show. You tried to watch it, but it, again, wasn't up for rent for some reason. Nope, neither of them were up for rent. So the, literally the night before the Oscars, neither of them were able to be rented. <laughs> That's, uh, that makes sense. Then you should have rented Parasite because that was available for rent because for I rented it a couple days ago. That's the South Korean movie about like class and the rich and the poor how, and how they intersect in South Korea. It's in Korean, that- so you have to watch it with subtitles. But uh, that was... That was one again. Another one of my favorite movies this year. That is that was that was the only problem there. My boyfriend absolutely refused to watch the movie in subtitles, so that was why that one was not even one of the choices because he just refuses to watch it in <laughs> subtitles. And like, the, here's the thing, uh, and I think even Bong 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 Joon Ho, who was the director of that movie, said when he at the um, Golden Globes, he was like. You people need to get over it. If you can't read subtitles to enjoy great movies, then what are you doing with your life? Because it's not that big of a deal. Like one of my favorite movies from last year was a movie called um, um, Roma. And that was all in Spanish and subtitled. And that was that was insanely good. And should have won Best Picture last year, but didn't. So Parasite, very good. Go see it if you get a chance. Uh, I feel like I would do better with it being Spanish, considering the fact that I know a substantial amount of Spanish. So, like, I could just sit there and mostly watch it and know what's going on and only be, like, checking the subtitles every occasion. So, that I feel like that would be better for me. Yeah, plus plus Roma, not a lot of dialogue in Roma either. It's a very kind of visceral picture more so than with a lot of dialogue constantly happening, which is why it was so good. Um, so the next Irishman, have you seen Irishman? Very long movie, three and a half hours long. (laughs) That all of these have been really, really long movies. Like they were all long haul movies. Um, when we were looking at all of them, the, they were all about three hours or longer. Um, no, I'm not seeing that one also though. Um, I thought about watching it the other night as well. Uh, okay. Uh, little women. I haven't seen that one yet. Not my no, type of I, movie either. So that I d- one, I, I was 
heading to a movie theater to watch it and I don't remember what happened. I was invited to watch it with a bunch of people and um oh I had a I had to go to a birthday dinner for what for someone's birthday and um they moved the movie right to that time. So um again I was going to watch that one and didn't. Wow, this is this is actually very convenient of how many things I was like going to watch and didn't end up watching for one reason or another. Yeah. yeah. I've uh, actually made more efforts this year than I've made in any previous year. Right. Uh, the, another movie that, which I haven't seen yet, but I, re- I really want to see mostly cause it's di- written and directed by Taika Waititi, uh, who directed the last Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. He's going to direct the next Thor movie as well. And he played Korg. Wait a second. Did, is he the one that I just saw on Twitter putting his his Oscar underneath the seat in front of him? Yep. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, Jojo Rabbit was the movie that's about. Um, it took. It takes place in Nazi Germany. It's about a kid whose imaginary friend is is Adolf Hitler. That's kind of like the main basis of the movie. Okay, I was seeing clips of it during the Oscars um, because of, um, you know, Scarlett Johansson was nominated. Um, Well, now that's interesting Um, and strange. Uh, That sounds like a very interesting basis behind it. Yes. And speaking of Scarlett Johansson, she's in the last movie, which is called Marriage Story, which is on Netflix. Um, I have... I, that one I had never heard of until all these award shows was were going through and everyone was saying like massive things about that. Yes, it's uh I liked it. It's a very it's kind of like a it's about uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are the two main characters and the the movie Kylo Ren. Yes, exactly. And the movie's about um kind of them separating and kind of getting used to their their new lives. Um, and having, they have a son together, um, who's like, I think eight or nine in the movie. And it's very, it's very, very well acted. That's the best part of that movie. So we have gone now through all nine movies and you have seen exactly one of them. And that is very accurate. That I, sounds very real. And, um, it, it but you saw, you, you saw a good it, one though, 1917. So you picked, you picked one of the front runners. Well, that's good. Yeah, I and it was beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I was um, um, one of the things is that I was a both me and you were um videography, um majors in college, and so we know. Not in the film sector per se, but we know how what how much goes into like shooting things and putting things together, and um, and a friend of ours is a, a film major and. Uh, all we could talk about after we left it was how beautifully shot it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind uh, of like it was like Dunkirk for World War World War One, and mm-hmm. um, and it's one of those movies that's like again, it's so well shot, but it just kind of it's it, it's paced so very well, and it takes some twists and some turns that are really interesting, um, and it's like it's like heart wrenching to watch too because it's war and it was it's a very intense look at what world war one was like and we don't normally see that um so yeah we'll find out well the best picture is coming up next renee zellweger just won for best actress so best picture is coming up next so we'll update you on the winner uh in a few minutes i think we should do that and uh, i 
I also, though, have to ask you a question of another one that was getting nominations, not for Best Picture, but um, for the actresses and um, I think one for Best Makeup um, that I've been meaning to watch and I haven't. And it, I, I think it, oh, it came out like a while ago. I'm like not even sure. See, this is how much I pay attention, you guys. Um, but Bombshell. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. I I keep Don't on wanting to really watch that one. Don't really intend to see it either. But okay, well, I'm I I gotta maybe we'll watch it sometime together because I <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it and I've been wanting to watch it. It's got uh, great actresses in it. It's got Mar- Margot Robbie in it, so that's always good. Yeah, uh huh. That is the most like man answer ever. It's got good actresses in it. It's got Margot Robbie. Um, Margot Robbie was really hot in um, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Thank yeah. you. I was about to be like Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, she was really cute in her short shorts as Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most man answer could have come up with. <laughs> Uh, spe- I'm gonna go see see the Harley Quinn movie sometime this week too, so I will update you on if that's any good. Oh, Birds of Prey, yes, I, that was actually one of the discussions that, um, last night on whether we should stay in and watch one of those movies or go out and uh, watch uh, Birds of Prey. So I almost watched that. And in the end, I ended up just watching the second Zombieland movie. So I went from <laughs> trying to watch these very like critically acclaimed like really good movies to watching zombie land but i enjoyed it it was very i like i really like zombie land too as well there was some uh it's basically the first movie again but it's still it's still very good and still a lot of fun and i won't eh, can we spoil that movie because it's been out for a while now i mean it was out long enough that it finally was one of them that i was able to rent so yeah sure so, yeah, so Bill Murray shows up in the movie again, and he steals the show again. <laughs> well, it's a post, it's a post-credit scene that you have to, like, wait for. Yeah. They begin the very beginning of the credits for it, before you get to it. Yeah, and that's probably the best and most memorable scene in the whole movie. It was, was the post-credit yeah. scene? yeah. That's so funny. Because Bill Murray was yeah, probably I'm glad the best. You enjoyed it. Yeah, Bill Murray is probably the best part about the first movie too, for that matter. So. <laughs> yeah, they reference him actually a few times throughout the movie. So. That's I, right. I, yeah, there's. Yeah, that's really right. Like they joke. Stone. They joke about um about Jesse Eisenberg when they meet up with the other group. They're like, "Hey, aren't you guy that killed? <laughs> aren't you? they talk about the about the people that killed Bill Murray?" <laughs> and it'd be, it's like this known thing in the in the world that Bill Murray was murdered. Yeah, they call it getting Bill Murrayed is what yeah. um, she had said. You know, I, I just love Emma Stone. Yes, yeah, so do so. I. I was watching her. I was watching her in uh, um, uh, Bra- uh, B- B- Super Bad. Ah, yes. Oh, and if everyone didn't know, she is from Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep, she's an, Fun she, fact. She's an Arizona girl. Um, I was also having a discussion. I was having a discussion with Kat last night about it because I was watching Superbad and she was like, she was like shocked that like I really love Emma Stone. She was like, "Do you do you guys find Emma Stone attractive?" And I was like, "Hell yes." 
Uh, yeah. So how does she not find Emma Stone attractive? That was the, also a conversation that we had last night because that's what uh, my boyfriend had said that he thought Emma Stone was attractive, and I said that I think she's attractive. I didn't know there were pe- there were pe- Emma Stone people who did not think she was attractive. So I don't know how that managed I, to come up, but I didn't know that was a thing either. I definitely think she's attractive, though. That is that is my stance on it, at mm-hmm. least. Like I don't. <laughs> I didn't know. We'll have to have this conversation with Kat. I did not know that Kat didn't think Emma Stone was attractive. Yes. Yeah. Or I don't know if she... I I can't speak for her, but she. that was just the question that she asked me was whether or not. And I was like, yeah, of course. Duh. But anyway. We should get to hockey now. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was a very good intro of everything for the Oscars, considering the fact that it is the event that is going on tonight before... The event that is going on, um, I guess, tonight, as you guys are listening to this, which is the Canadians versus Coyotes. And for the first time um, since December 19th, inactive for 20 games, Darcy Kemper might be coming back, ladies and gentlemen, which is amazing considering the fact that this team has not been playing well since he has been out they have been 7, 10, and 3 since he's been out um, compared to when he was in net for 25 starts um, before he was injured when they were 15, 8, and 2. He had a 2.17 goals against average, which is second in the NHL, and a 0.929 save percentage, which is tied for second in the NHL. And in case we all forgot, he was nominated to be an all-star as well, and... He has been gone for 20 games. So this has been a long time awaited return. He is game time decision. He did have a full practice today, though, um, as the only one in nets. And OEL also had a full practice today. That is a big deal to get your captain and your starting goaltender back because, Jesus, I can't. It happened again, Corey. For the love of God, it happened again. We were we were getting up to puck drop against Boston on the road, a big game for the Coyotes going against the, one of the best teams in the entire NHL, and then we get word two minutes before the game starts that uh, oh, uh, Auntie Ranta's not going to start; he's been scratched. Uh, and then we find out after the game that he's out day to day again with a lower body injury. The Auntie Ranta now, and I think Coyotes fans, you will know this: he is now entered. Martin Handel territory. He's made of glass and and he just he just hurt all the freaking time. Yeah, I mean, it's uh there's always the like misogynistic uh comment that, you know, women are fragile and 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 weak human beings and that you you need to treat them with like all this like tender love and care because of the fact that they're so fragile. Um, I have never seen a more fragile human being than Auntie Ranta. Um, that man can hurt himself by like literally reaching for a towel, getting out of the shower. I don't know how he does it. It's almost a talent to figure out how to injure yourself that easily and all the time and it 
he's been doing different things, whether it's been dealing with, um, he started with a certain coach that has been known to prevent injuries. Let's, let's mark that down. Get that in your head. It has been very known around the goaltending community to prevent injuries. Yet, even with that uh, coach's help, he is still getting injured. What is going on here? I don't know if he needs to just like take his vitamins, get some extra sleep. That man needs something, and he needs it fast. He needs some help. Yeah, I just I don't know what his deal is. It's it's not it's not good. Uh, I think we're seeing we're getting to the end and now of Antiranta's tenure with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, again, I don't think he's going to get traded at the deadline. Although it might happen if some team is willing to take him, you know, you you might as well get something for him at this point. But I don't think anybody in the NHL wants to take on a goaltender that is. <laughs> just made of glass and constantly hurt like on Toronto was. And the shame of it all is, is that, you know, he had that bad game against, uh, against Carolina, right? When it, actually, I wouldn't even say it's a bad game. He didn't, he didn't have a bad game at all. He, you know, he just gave up, he gave up the four goals, but you know, talk, Rick Tockett after the game, um, didn't mention him one time and basically called out his players for, for, um, stupidity on several of those plays in that six minute stretch in the second period, but he didn't play bad at all in that game. And, and so he, he was seemingly starting to put it together and starting to get mentally right again after struggling, after coming off of all these injuries. Now he's hurt again. And so uh, hopefully Darcy Kemper's back and he's healthy. Um, but missing 20 games like that is crazy. But I wonder, and here's my question for you. I think we, did we talk about this last time or on a previous show that this may be a good thing that Darcy Kemper had all this time off, granted it was with an injury, but it will help keep him fresh down the stretch. Because I'm curious to see how much if, how much of an impact that will have. Yeah, I mean, he. it's definitely good to have him be nice and rested. We have talked about it before, about the fact that we think it's, it's really good that he'll come in so fresh. Um, I do think having this much time off, though, is kind of difficult in the fact that he's had a lot of time sitting and not being in game ready shape. Like he he's been able to practice partially. This is his first full practice, but he hasn't been in game situations and he hasn't been really preparing himself for those. Like even though he played a full practice and he was going through going through everything basically 100% normal, no restrictions. Um, it, I still feel like he's not having to go through the steps of being like mentally ready for a game because of the fact that um, it's a game time decision tomorrow. So he's not particularly getting ready for it, I don't think, mentally until probably right before the game when they finally make that game time decision. But it it's hard because... I would say, yes, it's it's great that he's taken this break and he can carry that into later on in the season. And, you know, he might have a little bit of a rough period coming back here, just getting back into it after 20 games. But the problem is the team needs to be winning now, like at this exact moment. So there is no grace period for him to be coming in, which is a shame because, um, you know, after all that he's done for them, 
and the way that the way that they all talk about him and even talk it was talking about like personally comes as a guy that gives the team confidence doesn't have to put the world on his shoulders he just goes out to play to be Kemp's and when and when he plays that's what we expect him to do and so he you know he he does his own thing and he tries to not like let everything fall on his shoulders but they're kind of throwing it on his shoulders because they haven't been able to hold it up since he's been gone so they're not giving him that time to adjust to coming back he has to come back at, at full strength from day one yeah he's gonna have a speaking of having a lot on his shoulders he's gonna have a lot a lot on his shoulders because as of after the games on saturday night the coyotes are now out of the playoffs they are now third in the wild card standings with 61 points through 57 games and that puts them four points back of vancouver three points back of edmonton three points back of Vegas, two points back of Winnipeg, who's played the same amount of games as they have, and one point back of Calgary, who's played one less game than they have, and then two points ahead of Nashville, who has played three less games than um, the Coyotes have, and then still sneaking around somehow are the Minnesota Wild and the Chicago Blackhawks at 58 points. So, like, if you look at the standings, there are six teams – that are basically vying for two wild card spots right now, and I don't think you could say any of them are out of it. And it's kind of it's it just continues to get crazy, um, in in this this playoff race here with um, geez, twenty five games to go. So um, Kemper is going to come back, and he's going to come back with a lot of pressure on his shoulders, um, especially now with these games coming up here. You know, we're, and they've got some tough games here coming up on on this on the rest of this road trip. So. Um, I'm curious to see, like, if he's able to reacquiesce himself. I think I just made up a word, reacquiesce. Um, <laughs> it sounded beautiful. It sounds right and great, so I'm gonna go with it. Reacquiesce himself into the Coyotes lineup, um, because I mean that's where they've that's where they've struggled, right, over these last month and a half. You know, we saw it against in that game against. Uh, against Carolina, you were there, Corey. We saw in that game where it was just defensive mistakes by Jacob Trigger and by Connor Garland of not knowing where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there and it costing them goals. It was not a good game for Chick at all. Yeah, and then luckily Chicken comes back on Saturday and has a massive game, gets a big goal in that game and a big assist. But, I mean, that's what the, that's what they got to clear up, and they and they know that. And, and, Tockett, and, and you could tell Taka was pissed. And in that game against Carolina, he was like, he was like, what What are we doing here? Like, you guys basically just calling the players out and being like, they know better than this. And um, and they got to be better. And I think the players know that too, right? I think the players know they got to be better. And they got to – now, the thing they definitely got to be better at is the power play because um, I think they are now – if I'm not mistaken, two for their last 22 on the power play since coming back from the break. That is a, a horrible stat, first off. Second off, th- that was one of the difference makers in that Carolina game. Even if they, like, we all have to 
acknowledge the fact that there was a massive defensive breakdown in both the Carolina and Boston games in those second periods. They had you can't give up that many goals in in one period, and especially in Carolina in that small small span, and expect to be able to win a game. But you also can't be having such terrible. So there was five power play chances against Carolina, one in five. Against Boston, there was four, and they were one and four. And that, and they had a five-minute major in that game. And yes, yeah, so the the one out of the four was from the five-minute major that they had. So that, which I'm very grateful that Derek Stoppon is okay because it did. Um, it was a pretty gnarly hit to the head. So um, the last thing the Coyotes need is to be losing him as of recent. But um, so it came off of that five-minute major, and if they didn't score on that five-minute major, I would have been extremely concerned. Um, but it shows that they have to have a five-minute major to score in on the power play in that game like come on it just it doesn't it doesn't look good and those are some of some of the big changers when it comes to being able to win those games and pull those games out as opposed to uh because these games it's not like they're getting massacred you know they are one to two goal games, you know, there's there's empty nets in there that um, I won't count. Um, but uh, that they're just trying to come from behind and get these. Oh, Parasite won the Oscar for Best Picture. Just throwing that in there. Um, but um, these games are within reach. And if they were to convert on just one or two more of those power plays, then they would be tying or winning these games so the fact that they're not i think is massive and should be noticed for one and then two i agree with talkit and the fact that there was a lot of stupid decisions and especially a lot of just stupid defensive um decisions and i shouldn't be sitting there watching a game literally saying out loud to myself make smart decisions and that is what I was saying throughout that entire game because both of them, actually, Carolina and Boston, was make smart decisions because you could just see the wheels turning and them about to do something stupid right before they did it. And it was kind of sad that you could see the stupid decision before they made it. And it has to be so frustrating for Talkit to be standing there and just knowing that his players are going to do something stupid. Yeah, and then, like, they, they have that kind of game that they did against Carolina, and then they go and they actually play, you know, a pretty good hockey game against Boston, you know, for the most part. And I think Talkett mentioned that after the game. Like, he was like, I was – he's I don't remember his exact words, but he's like, yeah, I was proud of how we played today. And they, they did. And they played – they were in the game pretty much the entire game. They had some swoons when they weren't as good. But, again, they lost that game because – because of their penalty kill, and they lost it on by losing faceoffs on the penalty kill, and and they were only on the penalty kill for like 28 seconds between the two pa- power play goals they gave up, and that was the game. But five on five, 
They were right there with him the entire game. And they should have won that game, in my opinion, if it wasn't for Tuka Rask. Because Tuka Rask made some just redonkulous saves throughout the game. He made one on Connor Garland in the first period that was redonkulous. He made several, you know, in the second and third period that were ridiculous. And, you know, the Kyrie just couldn't quite pull it out, but they played well. And this is something we've seen from them before in the past where, you know, they play a team like Boston that is so, so good this season, one of the best teams in the league, and they play them well and they still lose. And, you know, and for whatever reason, we've seen this from the Kyrie's before, you know, when they play the better opponents, they seem to play better against them. And so hopefully that's the case now down the stretch as they kind of start to play some of these better opponents here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Like they have uh, St. Louis coming up down the stretch, I think. And then uh, give me a second to pull up the, the Well, schedule. it should be very interesting to see the game against Montreal, which would be tonight as you guys are listening to this, because their records are exactly the same, 27 23 and 7. So this is going to be even going straight into this game. So that should be really interesting. And then going into Toronto, their record is 29, 19, and 8. As I said before, the Coyotes are 27, 23, and 7. So it's not like they these are going to be incredibly difficult opponents. I mean, the the Leafs offensively, it's going to be a, they're going to be a very difficult opponent, but it's not going to be like playing Boston um, because, you know, Boston's one of the best teams in the NHL this year. And they did, as you said before, step up and play to the caliber that they needed to play against Boston. But there was it. It was the penalty kill, as you had said, but it was also the fact that they were getting the penalties in the first place. When you know that you're in that tight of a game and you're not converting on power plays yourself, giving up penalties is not always your best option unless you have to. And it's strategically correct for the game. And so it kind of shows where on a, it, against a team like the Bruins, you have to be tight on every aspect of the game. And they just were a little bit sloppy to the point where they're losing that game. And as you had said before, they go into these games against massive opponents like that and are playing great hockey that would have in any other game that they had played would have won them the hockey game. But of course, since they're playing against these tough opponents, they just microly don't manage to get out. But I would almost rather them have a, a poor game against an opponent like the Bruins and lose that one, but play that well against Carolina and win it, then, you know, have a bad showing against Carolina and lose both those games. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, yeah, coming up here, they have the Cabs and, and the Leafs. And those two teams previously both visited Gila River Arena and they outscored the Coyotes 7-2, to two. and in both of those games, I thought were two of the worst performances the Coyotes have played all season long about uh, against those teams. Um, remember, the Coyotes hosted the Maple Leafs in the first game after they fired Mike Babcock, and we talked about that on our show, which is like the, the Leafs are going to come out you know, with a little bit of oomph because their coach just got fired, and that's exactly what happened. And the Leafs are still kind of in turmoil a little bit because they're kind of a hot mess right now. They're in the playoffs right now, but... They still, you know, they're up and down like crazy all the time. They just acquired Jack Campbell from the LA Kings in a trade recently. 
Um, you know, they've given up 187 goals this year, which is insane. <laughs> but like, so I think the, you know, some of these games are definitely winnable for sure. But, um, you know, I think they're still, you know, tough matchups for, uh, for the coyotes. Uh, Toronto's given up the fourth most goals in the entire league this year. <laughs> so, so they're beatable. Well, they're a beatable yeah. team. They are a beatable team, but they're also very decent offensively. So they also can't be trying to dig themselves out of holes either. That is not the way to go about this. It's not the way to go into this game and be playing badly defensively and letting certain people on that team just kind of go off. And that is, that is as you said, basically what happened when they came in because of the fact and as you said it was because of the hype of there was a lot of bad energy and a lot of bad blood in that locker room and once that bad blood had changed they started to produce and play a lot better um and sadly we were on the bad end of that but yeah it it's there's definitely opportunity there it's just whether they are able to capitalize on that and not be able to make it a really poor game like the um, Minnesota. Yes. The Minnesota game that Kemper was injured in was what I'm afraid of for the Toronto game, because I don't want this to be a scoring match where they just keep on going back and forth and there is no defensive hockey to be played. Yeah. Yeah. That, I have a feeling that might be what happens though. Cause the, I mean, the Coyotes. You know, they sometimes try to do that and it doesn't work out too well. They try to get in these higher speed games. And the crazy thing is, like, some of these last couple of games, like against the Blackhawks, right, against the Bruins, they got into those high-paced type of games where they put up 30-plus shots on goal. Um, so they can can play that way, but it usually doesn't wind up very well for the Coyotes. So, and, like, it's crazy because, like, yeah, they have the Habs, they have the Leafs, they have the Senators who they should beat. Uh, on the road there, taking on Anthony Duclair and the Ottawa Senators. But then they come back home after that, and they have, oh, they have the Caps, they have the Islanders, and they have the Blues all in a one-week span. Oh, and the Lightning. Oh, they have to play them too. All in a one-week span. They have teams that are atop their conferences. So good luck with that. It doesn't get any easier. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be very interesting It's because – Basically, when those teams were played previously and they played decently against some of the top teams, it was on the road and it was during their stretch where they were um, playing very poorly at home and great on the road. So it should be interesting because these will be home games that they should be winning um, in the or like in the fact that they should be putting up the same type of fight that they did on the road back when they had played them before. Um, I really hope to see that stretch be very strong for the Coyotes, considering the fact that they play better against those type of teams. But I also feel like I've been watching a lot of very inconsistent hockey, which concerns me. Um, and it, cause they did play up to the Bruins caliber, but they had very inconsistent moments and that is where 
any good team will capitalize. And so even if they do play up, if they don't stay consistent throughout these games, they could end up being really bad. And it could be a really terrible downward slide if they start that stretch very inconsistent because it will not help their confidence and their motivation going through something that's going to be one of the toughest stretches that they will have all season. Uh, yeah, before we wrap up here, we have one more story we want, we want to talk about, which had Coyotes fans in a tizzy on Saturday, which was the latest reporting from Darren Drager of TSN um, about the possible ramifications of this um, uh, of of this possible violation of NHL rules. And uh, Corey, do you have the details on that? Yeah, so he had come out with at least 20 incidents of the Coyotes fitness test drafting eligible players. Um, So if that was to be true and they decided to find the Coyotes on it, that would be $250,000 per infraction, $5 million fine for Alex Morello. And right now it's, it's under investigation from the deputy commissioner, um, Bill Daly and the NHL lawyers. They're handling it right now. Um, and, but in the end, that is not going to be something that's going to make a brand new owner of the Coyotes happy. And, um, you know, he came in and gave a lot of financial stability to the team. So there is the talk of the fact that Batman does have a massive amount of, discretion on this be that according to the policy the way it is written he has a lot of leeway on how he wants he basically gets to be the executioner in this whole thing so if it comes out that they have determined that they did do it and they were going to find them he will have that final say so he as much as everyone likes to crap on Batman, might be saving the coyotes again he, we don't know yet But then you have a little bit of an indecisiveness when it comes to whether they actually did it or not. So this was, this had happened before the 2019 uh, scouting combine. And what they had done is they had multiple players coming in and they had asked them questions about their diets and, um, So it was questions regarding eating habits, supplement use, and workout regimens. But the part that has been raising some concerns with the league was that um, the Coyotes requested that draft prospects show up for the interviews in a t-shirt and shorts so that the team staff could quote-unquote eyeball their bodies. But the source said that the Coyotes did not take measurements or request any sort of physical tests. They simply looked the player over to assess such aspects as skating potential and potential physical development. And that was coming from an article from Craig Morgan, who is the the Coyotes beat writer for the Athletics. So it's coming from this is coming from a very reliable source and the fact of you know what was actually going on behind the scenes. So. That, to me, is not putting them through physical testing. What they, The reason why they had made the rule initially was because um, teams were sending letters to 40 kids 
to show up at the local high school and then they put them through two mile runs bench press squats deadlifts one source said they were running these kids ragged and when you're talking about a lot of teams doing it it wasn't fair to the kids that's what the combine is for so that's what they were meaning this rule to be not the fact that they would be coming in um wearing a t-shirt and shorts and them eyeing the players it's a little strange but i feel like there's a fine line there and i'm not sure it crossed it yeah there's so much gray area in this rule and because it's so new we don't know what the line is and i'm very interested to know like what gary bettman's going to do about this and my my feeling what's going to happen here is there's going to be a fine here. They're not they're going to let the Coyotes off the hook because they have to set a precedent, right? They can't say, oh, well, that's not quite across the line because then what that does is it allows teams to, you know, have a, a precedent to know where that they can go further than that. And so I think Gary Bettman in this situation, in my opinion, has to, has to set a precedent, has to come down on the Coyotes hard and say, listen, we don't accept this in the NHL. Granted, will it be a $5 million fine? I don't think so um, at all because the $250,000 is basically just a suggestion. So um, that's what they can find them per incident. But I have a feeling he's still going to find them, but it's not going to be $5 million worth of fines. That's absolutely ridiculous. There's going to be some punishment here. What that punishment will be, I'm very curious to know. Uh, I don't think the Coyotes are going to get off scot-free here, nor should they. Uh, what they were trying to do here to me just sounds, you know, sounds like they were try intentionally trying to skirt the rules, <laughs> right? And, and I'm curious, like, you know, uh, Craig Morgan's a Craig Morgan's a great reporter, and I trust what he what his sources were telling him were true. But at the same point, I look at it and I say, all right, well, what? Who are the people that are telling him this? Is it the Coyotes that are telling him this? Is it the league that's telling him this? Because Darren Drager, who's the national reporter for TSN covering the story, doesn't have any of these details. So I'm curious if this if this knowledge was coming from the Coyotes, well, they have to set the, they're going to try and set the narrative for themselves and say this is what we think. This is what we did. Oh, we only put them in t-shirts and shorts. We didn't work them out or anything. Of course, they're going to say that because they're the ones that are being looked at. So. Something's going to come down here, and I, I obviously I don't I have a feeling it's not going to happen until after the season, after the Stanley Cup playoffs are over during the summer. Um, but um, it, I I hope it's not a five million dollar fine because that would, as we talked about last week, for a team that struggles has struggled financially in the past, five million dollars is a lot because that five million dollars could be invested elsewhere in the team. Um, so again, I don't think it's going to be a five million dollar fine, but something's going to come down eventually. I see. I think they are. They're pushing. They're pushing it. Like they're coming up to the line. But I don't feel like they've really gotten on the line or crossed the line. I think they're trying to push the boundary, um, which is irritating and not particularly right. But I don't think they've fully done anything wrong. Yeah, like, like you said, it, it's. You, we don't know the, you know, this is just some source information. It's some that we don't know where it came from particularly. I was looking over it again to see if um, he mentioned um, where exactly what type of sources they were. Um, but, and I didn't happen to see where I may have missed it in the article, but I didn't see um, him mentioning where, what, where the sources kind of came from. Um, 
But if this comes out to be true that this is what it is, I don't know. I think, you know, do the 250000 like, just the one 250000 and and move on with it. I don't think... Um, I think it, the attention that it's brought and the negativity that's come along with it is enough for people to know that you don't want to be doing this and it's stupid. I don't think they need to be particularly set an example of, though. Um, just, it's not... It's not like they were doing something that was 100%. They knew that they were doing something wrong and they didn't give two craps about it it was they were trying to push it to see how far they could go and now they know that they can't go that far and they need to bring it back and so i feel like those are two kind of different things and that's yeah these conversations are going on in the league offices too then they're trying to figure out what they need to do here because again because there is no precedent for this and i think that's the toughest thing in any like legal situation whether it be the Supreme Court or or this or like something like the Flate Gate in the NFL, there's no precedent for it. So we don't really know. Or hell, even go to Major League Baseball and the scandals there recently with the Houston Astros. Like we just don't know what the precedent should be. Uh, and it, it is worrisome that Gary Bettman is the lone guy that's going to make this decision. Like there isn't a panel that's going to get together and be like, well, all right, well, let's all agree on something. No, but just the sole commissioner, just like the NFL, just like the Major League Baseball, they get to decide this kind of thing. So it's going to be a while before we get a solution to this. I'm assuming the news leak, the news related to this, uh, we're still gonna, it's still gonna trickle out over the next um, next couple months. But um, congratulations to Parasite again for winning Best Picture. That's that's awesome. Uh, again, I yes. Love- Sorry to Parasite for just dropping it in the middle of my. Um- of my little rant there instead of like giving them a proper congratulations so i appreciate that yeah it won four it won best picture best director best foreign film and best best screenplay i believe are the four oscars it won and is very well deserved sporting nation if you haven't seen it go go look for it on your on-demand services and and watch it uh it's good and you'll you'll think about it long after the movie is over i can guarantee you that uh, anything, any last words, Corey, before we, we say bye-bye? Oh, that was really cute. I like your <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, I, the only thing I have to say is everyone wish Richie luck with the rest of his, um, traffic school that he must do and, uh, everyone stay safe out there. <laughs> Follow the network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter and Instagram. They have giveaways and such. If you follow them, it's for cool to get free stuff. We have some announcements coming soon for our show, which will be exciting. Well, we will announce when we can. So stay tuned for that in the coming couple of days. Uh, until then, we will talk to you again on Thursday, Sporty Nation. And uh, good night and good hockey, everybody. <laughs>